Mark Iskowitz, I'm editor-at-large for MMM, and I'm super excited to be part of today's sponsored podcast with Talking Medicines, Joe Halliday, founder and CEO. Joe, thanks so much for joining us here today. Thank you. Thank you very much for welcoming. Really looking forward to this podcast and, and talking a little bit about what we do. Absolutely. So am I. Uh, so let's just start with having you tell us about Talking Medicines and uh, your involvement with the business. I'll start with Talking Medicines. So Talking Medicines is an insights data platform. Um, We're based in Scotland in the UK. Um, We service the US, the UK and international markets from there. Talking Medicines, in terms of what we do, um, we capture the voice of the patient. And what we mean by that is we listen, um, we curate and we structure that unstructured information about how and why people take their medicines in the real world. So we capture the voice of the patient, we translate it because it sounds very different to medical speak, um, and we put it into a format um, which is digestible for pharmaceutical companies, particularly the marketing um, people within pharmaceutical companies as a benchmark effectively of the confidence that patients have in their medicines. Yeah, yeah. So it's really the intersection of social listening and and real world data. And, um, you know, just from my perspective, there's a few things that are more actionable for a marketer than real world data, right? How, how medicines are behaving in the real world. Your background includes some non-healthcare experiences. And given that healthcare is trying in some respects to emulate the experience we get with non-healthcare companies, I would think you draw on that experience given that you're offering a service that seeks to bridge the gap between pharma and patients. So take us through your professional history as, as well as the history of talking medicines. Yep. No, I certainly will. And I think it's a really, really good point of this intersection between marketing and life science. So you, you summed that up really well. Um, so my own background is, is in consumer marketing. So straight from university going into Coca-Cola and being brand manager. And I followed that with a number of global roles in, you know, kind of flagship blue chip companies, particularly in the whiskey industry with Jim Beam Bourbon. And um, one of my favorites. <laughs> taking that and, and a big, big one in Scotland and um, mm. taking that into to Grand Met as well and, and managing advertising. So, uh, you know, kind of a, a classical um, early years in, in consumer marketing. I then moved into the entrepreneurial space and you have, have managed a number of startups. This is the third and, and the one that I've been, you know, sort of had ownership stakes in. So I've very much been in this world, but my interest is very much in consumers and how and why they behave and the delivery of the promise to them. I think it's very important to say there's two other co-founders and it's actually our mix of backgrounds that makes us unique and able to bridge that gap. So Elizabeth Fairley, Dr. Elizabeth Fairley, has a background from Cambridge University where she she did a PhD very much in life sciences and setting up data and structuring data. So she's, you know, an NLP expert. She she understands that world. And Scott Cray, Dr. Scott Cray, who um, was practicing vet and has a lot of experience in bringing digital platforms to life in the life science area. So the three of us have come from very different places, um, get lots of questions about how many founders should there be in a company, and, and having that balance and that diversity is really important. But it makes us very, very unique in the way that, that our company has come about and the proposition that we give through our, our data service patient metrics. Absolutely. Sure, sure. Um, you know, what they say about a three-legged stool, it's, it's a lot sturdier. <laughs> now, how, how, just wanted to ask, how has the last year been for you all? And you know, how has talking medicines weathered the events of the past year? 
Yeah, no, it's a, I mean, it's a difficult one to answer because it's been a really positive um, year for us, a very, very, very solid year for us with lots of growth. And clearly people have suffered and, you know, we recognise that it's been very difficult for people on a, a personal basis. But from our team's perspective, everybody's been healthy. Um, we moved very quickly to home working. We're a digital company. It's, it's not very difficult because we've got very good tools. Um, but we've had to completely change in terms of the culture. We've nearly doubled our staff within the last year. So we've onboarded people that we've never met. Um, we managed an investment round, a significant investment round with Turn PLC, who are our main funder, um, based in, in London, but also, you know, with, with members in, in California. Again, never having met them, we managed a, a significant raise. And clearly the industry is changing, as, as listeners will know, the pharma industry is going through a lot of structural changes because of the pandemic. And the interest in digital, the interest in the patient, you know, you could argue has never been higher um, because post-pandemic there's an empowered consumer and there's um, a need from pharma to, to be patient centric. So the year has been, you know, it's been difficult and it's been challenging, but it's also been really, really good for us in terms of the way we've been able to adapt to it and plan for the future. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, fascinating. Okay, so um, Talking Medicines uses um, artificial intelligence and machine learning to provide pharma companies with real-time data intelligence on the patient voice. And the name of your AI-driven service that captures patient experience by medicine is Patient Met RX. Can you give folks an introduction to that? Yes, no, absolutely. So we, we very much have a, an AI-powered data service. So we believe we're at the cutting edge of the AI frontier. Um, and given, as you said, you know, pharma to some extent as an industry has been behind on digital, this is a chance, you know, AI is a chance for them to leap ahead. So we are providing a way of looking at the patient voice at scale. Um, we've been doing this for, for quite a long time, but we have been able to really scale our operations through the tools that we've adopted. So AI, machine learning, and NLP um, have been really, really important in terms of us being able to process data en masse. So we take data from social sources, we take them from platforms, forums, wherever we can find the patient voice, and it's really important that, you know, we are marketing oriented. We understand the patient and where they speak. They don't all speak in the same places. So we will find the voice. Um, we then need to be able to translate it. And it's those tools. It's that black box. Um, and we have proprietary tools. Um, we have a, a patent that we have, you know, registered against the way that we're able to process that. And the reason that we process it differently to others, because social listening is out there, this is, is far more than social listening, because we understand context. So we understand the context and the nuances of medicines. So we have a database that we have built by working with regulators, understanding what a medicine is and what the properties of medicines are. So we're able to use our, our machine learning and our AI techniques to effectively map the patient voice to the properties of medicines. So we go beyond sentiment, are people happy or sad? Or if you're, if you're very, very sick, you're probably not very happy at all. And sentiment you know, is an important element, but it isn't the answer. It doesn't give you enough. You need to understand, for example, the feelings around it, which is far more important than happy or sad. Um, and understanding some of the entities around, you know, severity of disease and you, what people are actually talking around their medicines from, from a contextual point of view. Right. So as, as you say, pharma has been, of course, social listening, you know, for years, uh, but perhaps not all of the platforms that they use provide that rich 
contextual uh, uh, information to kind of make sense of the data. Would you say that's that's the reason why they need a platform like this? Yeah, I mean, the, the two things that we do very, very differently to social listening is the first thing we do is we filter the voice. So there's a lot of voice out there and there's a lot of voice that's not relevant because it comes from the press or it comes from, you know, people who are not patients. Um, and what we do is we sift through to find the patients. So we have our own annotators, so humans training the machine. And what we're looking for is who is the genuine patient. And that, you know, that's a big part of our processing because you know, the, the small part that comes through, the quality part that comes through is the genuine patient. Social listening would let you listen to everything. And there is a lot of noise in there. We take that noise out through the sifting effectively and then we match it to the properties of medicines so our first offering within patient metrics is a confidence score so we have our own live mathematical model which calculates how patients are feeling in terms of their confidence in a medicine and it plots it so a bit like the stock market goes up and it goes down and the value of that to pharma marketeers is to be able to understand it in the context of delivering their promise to patients. So how are patients feeling about that named medicine? They can compare it to competitors, they can compare it to the market, um, and it gives a benchmark, a scorecard for the first time that a marketing director can have. As you said earlier, if you were sitting in FMCG as a marketing director, you have a toolkit of tools that you can unwrap and, and use for measurement and benchmarking. For pharma, there aren't many of those tools for post-launch on medicines. And we believe we've got one of the first systematic tools um, where you can look in real time about how patients are thinking about your medicine. And then as our roadmap goes forward, we're then looking at uh, effectively unwrapping that into why, you know, why is my patient confidence score going up? Why is it going down? And that comes down to the entities that we track from a contextual point of view about um, the medicine and, and how people are feeling over time. So it is very, very different to just social listening because it gives you the what's the why's and a deeper understanding, which has been built for the sector. We don't service any other sector. You know, we are just about pharma. We've designed this for pharma, pharma compliance and pharma understanding effectively. Mm -hmm. That's a great segue to my next, next question I wanted to ask you was about the compliance area. I know, you know, regulatory and compliance barriers have meant that pharma companies um, are prohibited from having that direct relationship oftentimes with healthcare professionals and patients. Uh, but uh, this platform is designed to allow them to bridge that gap to a certain extent, but it's, it's still regulatorily compliant, right? No, absolutely. Totally. We put quality right up there in terms of one of our values from the beginning. You know, we understand that pharma is unable to use tools unless they're compliant. So we work, we work to very high levels. Um, we have always worked the FDA kind of guidelines and standards. We're not regulated. This is not you know, in any way um, around a regulated device. So, you know, there are no rules as such, but clearly we sit within the industry rules. We don't surface adverse events. We don't surface feeds. We are processing information and we're curating information. So the dashboard that, that pharma go into um, is very, very compliant because it's aggregated information. There's no individual information and there's no risk of seeing adverse events. So it is, you know, we, we plot it all the way through in terms of compliance. When we onboard with a customer, quite often we will go through their compliance training because at the end of the day that, you know, we understand that's the process that is right for the industry. Um, but the platform is, yeah, absolutely built to be compliant. And to make it easy, we, 
you know, it, it can be very difficult for pharma to be able to, for example, use social listening. And quite often they use it for negative reasons. They're looking for safety problems or they're looking for issues. We actually want to move into the positive space of marketing excellence. So if I want marketing excellence, how do I know that my medicine is delivering to the end user, to the patient, the promise that, that I have laid out within my marketing plan? So being able to measure where you are with your marketing is, is where we want to get to. So we're not, you know, we're not trying to orientate to, for example, to safety events. We are looking at how does the patient feel holistically and why, and how can that effectively then be taken on by the marketing director in terms of, you know, how can I action against that? So it's very much this actionable intelligence, which is easy to onboard. You know, we, at the press of a button, you are seeing the answers. You're not writing queries or, or having to get analysts to plow through it. So we really want it to be self-serve, easy to access. So, so pretty of the moment in terms of actionable insight. Sure. You don't need a computer science degree, you know, to, no, to use this tool, nor, nor should you. Uh, so, um, <laughs> and, and, and you mentioned, you know, adverse event reporting. So if they, if they saw the adverse events, then they would have, they'd be duty bound, you know, to, to report that. So let's just delve a little bit more into how uh, patient met RX works. Can you talk about some of the data sources that it, that the tool draws from? Yeah, no, and, and again, a really, really important one. The, a differentiator for us is that we go bottom up. So we say, okay, where is the patient? And you, you, you know the industry, you know how many medicines there are. You know, we map against 130,000 medicines. Some are very small, some are very large, some have a big voice, some have a small uh, voice. So we work from the bottom up of where are patients, and then we map to how do we manage to source that information? And at the top end of that funnel, you've got the fire hoses. So you have the Twitters and the Reddits. And we do, you know, we read those. Um, we write more queries to extract um, and bring it in to, to find the patient voice within them and, and, and to match. But we complement that with forums um, and, you know, places that are, we call them special places that, you know, there'll be less people on, um, but there's some very, very rich information that we're able to source. So it's that combined sourcing um, that makes the difference. So it's it's not from one place, it's from many. And depending on which medicine we're talking about, you know, it, it will vary because obviously medicines skew to personas and age groups and the way that they interact with social media um, changes. So we're very able to be agile in the way that we listen to that voice. How often do you onboard new medicines, you know, as they're approved? You know, a couple of years ago, the FDA, for instance, approved 46 new medicines and, and new social channels, you know, to, to what the tool kind of crawls or, or scours. All the time, I would say. We have a feed. So within our, um, our regulated medicine database, we have a feed of new medicines coming in. So as soon as a new medicine comes through, we would onboard it into our system. So, you know, again, a differentiator for us is being able to horizon scan across all medicines. So, you know, not all medicines will have a voice, but if it hasn't got a voice, you may want to know that. So, um, so we will always keep up to date on medicines. That's a priority for us. And we've got, you know, a big QC area around that. So we, we accurately know what a medicine is. And remembering that some medicines have got different names in different countries, you know, we have quite a lot of normalization to do. And some medicines are called 
Heather, for example. Um, so clearly we have to be able to distinguish between what's being said about a medicine and what's being said about a plant. Um, so there is quite a lot within that onboarding, making sure we know, you know what, what the medicine entity is. And the same on social media. You know, we really, at the minute, I should say, you know, we really have orientated to English speaking. So the US and the UK are absolutely key markets for us. We will go into other markets as you know, with the footprint of our customers. Um, and we will look at new social sources whenever they come through, um, because ultimately they could be they could be really important to us in the future. So we do lots of experimentation to say, you know, is there rich data there? And we're able to, to index against it. What about, you know, uh, pre-approval? Is, is there any sourcing of information about drugs prior to approval, which I know companies oftentimes want to get the social sentiment there? No, we get lots of questions about pre-approval. So we get lots of interest around particularly year one, year two, as you would expect, and that kind of pre-approval coming onto market. Clearly, if a drug is not on the market, it's very hard to find a voice because um, it could only be in trials or, you know, it will be very, very low. But what we find high interest in from marketing directors is horizon scanning. So you're coming into market, you want to know what that market currently looks like. And as your voice comes in, you want to be tracking it. Um, so we sell our services a monthly subscription. So effectively, over time, you're going to see your voice coming in, but getting an early understanding of the market and the API around your medicine um, can be really, really important. So that's how we you know, currently deal with pre-approval. So let's just talk about, you know, what pharma marketing professionals can expect? Um, you know, you, I know you alluded to the patient confidence score, uh, but is there a certain amount of customization that they can add to the process in terms of how the reporting is, is received? So, so we've got quite a, quite an, an interesting roadmap. We want to go fast and, we, you know, ultimately we will only be successful with our customers using our data. So we're listening all the time. So, you know, we're so keen um, that as we work with customers, you know, that helps inform our roadmaps. So, you know, we want to be solving problems. So the, the, the first problem we're solving is for marketing directors who want a KPI. They want to be able to understand and benchmark how their medicine is doing. So that's the first problem we're solving. As we go forward, we see there's more problems that we can solve. And that's how we're kind of attaching to our, our product roadmap. Um, so the next thing we've been asked for is very much the unwrapping of the cause and effect. So that, that that's going to be delivered very soon within the product. A lot of pharma companies have talked about analysts. They don't want to be putting analysts onto data because there's, you know, they, they just don't want to be spending that time. So being able to ask the robot or ask the AI machine, we think is an important feature that will be coming. Um, so we we really listening and and actually there's a big consensus. You know, we find that most of our clients and potential clients are saying the same thing. So we do believe that our product roadmap can effectively capture, you know, a lot of what they're saying. Whereas, you know, some of the questions, you know, can I, can I customize my dashboard? The answer is yes. So there are definitely things that we can do. And we want to build in the ability for customers to load their own data in. So therefore, they can do quick comparisons. So being able to plot your marketing spend against patient confidence score um, is, you know, a, a very early win for us in terms of being able to satisfy customers. So um, the most important thing for us is that we are customer centric. We listen and we develop the product. Um, understanding the problems that we're solving, you know, for pharma. And um, is this sold like on an enterprise subscription basis? Uh, how, how many brands, you know, can, can they usually include under one license, so to speak? We would love to service portfolios because we think it's actionable intelligence. We put the patient confidence scores into brackets, like a traffic light, um, you know, between naught and one. So people can very quickly 
um, group their medicines together to see, you know, for my portfolio, those brands mm. are doing very well from a patient perspective. Those brands might need a bit more attention. So um, on our website, on the patient vetches website, you'll see we've got a pricing against two medicines, which quite often people want to try and have a look. We've got one against 10 medicines, but ultimately, you know, our, our interest is working across portfolios. Um, and for this, when a, a marketeer is brand planning and when they're tracking each month and monthly reporting, we would like our metric to be part of that dashboard because there isn't a way at the moment to measure the patient voice. So if you say we're patient centric, you know, what's your proof point against that? Um, so that's where you know, we're aiming to be um, in everybody's marketing plan. Hmm. And are your customers that you interface with mostly the brand managers or do you interface with like the chief patient officer at a, at a pharma company? We would say that the brand manager, the marketing director, um, you know, with their head up, looking at the future, saying, actually, we want digital. We, we probably know that AI can solve some of our problems um, and we want to be truly patient centric. They're the people that we resonate with and, you know, their, their budgets are, are quite clear. Um, but there's a lot of influences around them, including the patient officer and, um, you know, including the insights person, including the CX person um, and their agencies. You know, agencies are an important part of our mix because the agencies, the marketing agencies are very, very close um, to their pharma clients. And that planning work that we do, we believe there's an interface for us with agencies and there's an interface in with the, the marketing directors. Great. Yeah. So an another great segue. Uh, tell me how you work with marketing agencies. Yes, yeah, so we just you, you, our, our product patient metrics is new. So these are new relationships, but we're just starting to to understand that we can work in in a couple of ways with marketing agencies. We can work um, to inform them because they are quite often doing the horizon scanning on behalf of their clients. Um, so we have a data source that is very relevant to them in terms of presenting it onto their clients. So we can work in that way, um, or we can work more in partnerships. So you know we go in together um, to a pitch, um, whether it's you know, for a new client or for an existing existing client. So we believe that we can add value to those relationships um, to really help give the patient, you know, bring that patient view in-house to the agency as opposed to it being at arm's length. So we hope to have very fruitful relationships with marketing agencies um, and consultants because we really do feel um, it can be an important part of their toolkit going into their clients. Right. And they can kind of sell on the patient centricity solution um, on your behalf, so to speak, having formed that relationship. That makes sense. Um, you know, I've seen you say that post pandemic, you're expecting a rise in adoption of digital and new technologies. Why would you say now is the, is the right time to utilize technology to better understand the needs of the patient? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been growing anyway. And we feel that um, that right now, particularly for the industry, I mean, there's, there's, there's many things happening, but you've particularly got reps you know, not being able to, to, to interface with doctors. So the primary source of patient feedback traditionally has been through the healthcare professionals and the clinicians. That's a route that isn't happening. And, you know, who knows where it goes? You only have to read, you know, the thought leadership around it, that the model is changing. So if you don't have the traditional route, technology is absolutely an answer. Um, but equally, patients aren't presenting to clinicians. You know, patients are at home. They may be doing telecalls with their, their doctors and their consultants. So they're not having the, the deeper face-to-face -face conversations that they were. So again, another reason that technology can answer some of the, the need for, 
for patient feedback. Ad hoc feedback is all very good, but systematic feedback will give you the benchmarks and it will give you the trends. So we believe that that the technology was already developing, but it's become even more relevant because actually as an industry, you can leap ahead um, and AI gives you a scale that you couldn't imagine from doing it by hand and you know by face to face. So being able to blend all of that together, you say actually now is the time. It always was the time to listen to the patient, but it's perhaps even more important now. Um, you've got an empowered patient. You've got a patient who now absolutely says my health is the number one priority. Um, and you've got an industry that has to change the way it listens to patients because structurally um, things have changed. So we believe that you know now is the time to, to kind of challenge and say, okay, patient's interest is there, but what are you doing about it? One of the ways you can do something about it is to measure it. Um, because you need to know, you know, are you getting better or getting worse? What are patients thinking? So um, that's why we think now is the time. To that end, I hope we can have another conversation as, you know, uh, the industry evolves its ability to be patient-centric um, and, and hopefully to put this pandemic uh, in the rearview mirror. Yes, no, absolutely. I think that would be a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that was Joe Halliday of Talking Medicines, and it was a terrific conversation. Many thanks for listening. Come back soon for another one. This has been Marcus Gewitz for the MMNM Podcast. Take care, everybody.